Good morning, church. I pray that you find yourself well this Sunday morning. It has been a a bit of a a, a crazy week, a lot of different twists and turns, but uh, that's to be expected in life as we, I'm sure we've all been experiencing these last uh, five and a half so months dealing with this pandemic. Well, I'm, uh, again, very excited. I'm, I'm excited every every Sunday to uh, bring the message, uh, regardless if it's uh, remote, uh, just the fact that the Word of God is true and living. And, and every day, every time we turn and open up the pages of Scripture, there's so much that we uh, can gain from it and, and gain encouragement, especially when, you know, we're in places of you know, maybe we just feel kind of a little lulled to sleep uh, emotionally just because of uh, this kind of monotonous uh, Groundhog's Day that we've been going through with this pandemic. But nonetheless, I'm just very excited for what the Lord is going to bring about this morning in today's passage. So let's go ahead and, and go before uh, the Lord and pray. Heavenly Father, thank you again for this opportunity to delve into your word, Father, to hear from you. May the Holy Spirit reign in all of us. May you quiet our hearts. Please make us sensitive to hear the text, uh, to understand what your scriptures are saying to us in regards to the circumstances we find in them today. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. You are the God who moves mountains. You are mighty to save. We we serve a living high priest, one that sympathizes with us in our conditions, in our circumstances. And your son has conquered the grave. He's conquered sin and death. And so we boast of that. We boast of Christ in his mightiness, in his holiness, in his love, in his mercy, Lord, in, in his grace. And we thank you that you've made us aware of this, that we are no longer blinded to the truth of our desperate, depraved state before you without Jesus. So may the name of Jesus Christ ring high and may you receive all honor and glory this morning. We thank you and praise you in Jesus Christ's precious name. Amen. So this morning we will be in Acts chapter 16 going through verses 16 through 24. So I'll go ahead and read them now. As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. She followed Paul and us crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. But when her owners saw that their hope for gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, these men are Jews and they are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, 
ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet with the stalks. I've entitled this message, Don't Be Distracted by the Enemy. And there's much cause to not be distracted because we live in a world full of distractions. Every day there is many things that are vying for our attention and it's so easy for us to become distracted, but we are to not become distracted by the enemy. As we continue to move forward through uh, the book of Acts in Acts chapter 16, we will again see how Today, believers in Christ, we move pretty much from one storm to another. We know we've heard that saying, you're either coming out of a storm or you're getting ready or you're in a storm or you're getting ready to go into another storm. Paul and his ministry team, they were just on the mountaintop, right? We just had learned about the conversion of Lydia, the seller of purple. Uh, but but I'm sure Paul and, and his ministry team knew that at some point they were going to enter back into the valley. You know, uh, our whole Christian walk cannot be a mountaintop experience. That, that would not be uh, realistic living in a fallen world. There's going to be peaks and valleys, and that's just the nature of the life we live. Like always, when you are on fire for the Lord and you're, you know, serving him, you're, 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 you know, you know, you're doing everything that he's calling you to do at some point you know the enemy is going to rear his nasty ugly head and he's going to show up and he's going to try to extinguish that fire that 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 fire that you um you know have for the lord and that's what we see going on in our in our passage this morning today we will learn about the harsh realities of demonic possession the distractions that the enemy is always trying to bring about in the lives of true believers. We'll also learn about the fickleness of those who oppose Jesus Christ, stopping at nothing to make a buck, stopping at nothing to, to earn a wage. And just uh, and how just the only sure footing way for your life rests in the person of Jesus Christ. Everything else is is shifting shadows and sinking sand and and we we need to again harness and and hold on to the person of Jesus Christ because that is our victory. He is our victory. That is where we get our life source from. Okay. We have several main points and the first one is this and I've already stated it. Satan will never stop trying to distract you and me, believers, from their service to the Lord. Knowing that he can't take away our salvation because we are kept in Christ. We are, we are sealed in Christ for the day of redemption. That is what the Bible teaches. So he knows that he cannot take away our salvation. But he does all he can <clears throat> to distract us from our goals to serve the Lord. This is what happened in our text here with this uh, girl who was possessed and the servants of God. We see that uh, she was causing or the, the unclean spirit within her was trying to cause a distraction amongst Paul and Silas, Timothy and Luke. This is why it's so important for us as followers of Christ to remain plugged in daily. I mean, you got to be plugged in 
to the Lord daily. Obviously, we never take off the, the new man who is Jesus Christ, but to be built up strong in the Lord, when you are in that place, when you are built up, when you're strong in Jesus Christ, meaning you are fellowshipping with him throughout the day, every day, you, you know, you start your day with him, you, you, you know, throughout the day, you are, you have thoughts of, of, you know, what would Christ have you to do on your mind when you, before you go to bed, you are, you know, meditating on the word of God and on the Lord. It is much more difficult for us to become distracted by the schemes of the enemy when we have a regiment like that. And and not that things are systematically based, but you know, there are there is a place for organization. We serve a God of order. Um not that we are, you know, militant militantly minded, but we have to understand that we are in a spiritual battle. It is spiritual warfare. So if it is spiritual warfare, that means we're in war. And so if we're in war, then that means our chief commanding officer is Jesus Christ and we are soldiers. And you know, what army is strong that has loosey goosey soldiers that don't work out, are not fit, are not trained, are not regimented. So there is a level of that that needs to take place. And I truly do believe that in the lives of believers we need to have some kind of form of, you know, this is a routine that we do in order to keep us structured uh, in the Lord. Obviously, there's freedom within Christ, but to only read your Bible once a week or to not listen to any messages or not worship and praise God, or you know, in, in forms of song and just, you know, praying to him and seeking his will. Oh, man, I, you know, I pray for you that that's not where you're at, because that is a very dangerous place as a believer in Christ. You're going to get picked off real easy. Um when we are weak in Christ, we are much more likely to not be focused. Again, that comes back to not having some form of plan of how you attack the day in Christ every day. When we're not focused, our minds are going to be pulled every which way. As the Bible says, tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, and we don't want that. So again, it's very important for us to gird ourselves in the truth of who Jesus Christ is and remain steadfast in Him. The second main point is this. No matter what, unfortunately, some will love money more than God. Some people will stop at nothing to earn a dollar, going to the extent of, of earning the a wage off of the suffering of others and off the backs of others with, with no regard to their well-being or the concern for them and what's going on in their lives, but they're basically just, uh, you know, just taking full advantage of these individuals. And, you know, we still see this, unfortunately, every day in our in this world we live in today. In our own lives, we may see that we may be products of, of that environment where others have gained a profit off of us and they had no care or concern for our well-being. These individuals consciences have been seared meaning they don't sense or they don't feel compassion anymore for anyone or any or any person they just only care about what they want and how they're going to get it all they are concerned about is the income that they are looking to receive whatever we dedicate the majority of our time and our thinking and our affections and our energy towards that will become our god and unfortunately for many people today, their God is money. And we know the Bible is clear. You cannot serve both God and money. You will love one and hate the other. And so we want to be those that love God 
and you know we don't love money yes money has its place we know that it's not money money's not evil it's the love of money we cannot have a sensation and a desire for money beyond that of our lord jesus christ or else we're going to find ourselves in a very not good place doesn't matter how much money you have doesn't matter how much prestige you have doesn't matter what it looks like from the outside when it's all said and done those who love money and do not love god are you know are going to be those that are very bitter and disheartened in the end. The third main point for us this morning is this. When we don't stand for Jesus Christ, we will be influenced by everything and everyone else around us. Notice in our text this morning, not only did the owners of this fortune-telling slave girl rise up against Paul and his team, but the the crowd and the magistrates in the marketplace, they did as well. It's like all these people ganged up on them, basically. It was a mob mentality. It's much easier to be brave and to do things when influenced by a bunch of people. Basically, like, you know, oh, well, everyone else is doing it. I can just join in on it, too. And, and, it, and, and it almost brings a, a feeling of, oh, well, well, I'm accepted. It's like the whole idea behind bullying, you know. You got one bully or a couple bullies, you know, picking up, picking on this one person, this one, you know, child. And then everyone else, you know, uh, they just add on top of it, whether they're laughing and pointing fingers or they're actually joining, joining in on the physical aspect of bullying as well. And it's because it's that, that herd mentality, oh, well, I'm safe because I'm in this, this large group. But, you know, we have to obviously think for ourselves in Christ and decide what we need to do. You guys have all heard your parents at one point say, you know, if so-and-so was to jump off the cliff or jump off the bridge, are you going to do it too? Like, you know, are you just going to follow along and do whatever the next person does just because they're doing it? Or are you going to, you know, stand your ground, think for yourself and realize, no, that's not a good choice. You know, we, we as Christians, we need to be influenced and moved to action by the Holy Spirit alone and not by groups of influential people or else we run the risk of thinking wrong and if we think wrong that's going to lead to wrong actions okay so now that we have a basis for what we're going to be looking at in the passage this morning let's go ahead and start with the first two verses and i'll read them again excuse me and it says as we were going to the place of prayer we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. She followed Paul and us, crying, These men are servants of the Most High, who proclaim to you the way of salvation. So, all right, just in these first two verses that we just begin to look at, there is a whole lot going on in these first couple verses. Now, previously, before this uh, ver- verses 16 and 17, we had just learned of Lydia, who was a noble woman, and she became saved. The Lord opened up her heart to receive what Paul was saying, and she was baptized, and her her household was, was baptized as well. But here we are introduced to another female, a girl, who was on the entire opposite end of the spectrum than Lydia. First of all, this girl was not 
wealthy or well-off. She was a slave. So she was someone else's property. She had no freedom. And more than being a slave to these men, she was a slave to this demonic spirit. So she didn't possess the Holy Spirit as Lydia was uh, so fortunate to do when the Lord opened up her heart to receive the words that Paul had preached to her. Demonic possession is as real today as it was back here in history in uh, this account in the Bible that we're reading this morning. Now, this 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 concept or this this real reality of demonic possession, it takes on many different forms, but the end goal is always the same, and that is to destroy its host and to destroy and infect everyone that it comes in contact with. You know, demons want nothing to do but to oppress and to torment and to drag away people from the truth to hell with them. That is what Satan and his minions want to do. That's the whole idea behind what they are doing in this world today. This girl who was demon-possessed was a source of money and income for her owners as a fortune teller. Now, it's possible that because this girl was demon-possessed, the unclean spirit in her gave her supernatural insight into the lives of others. This is a side note, and I'll just share this. But some biblical scholars, they believe that they know uh, roughly the kind of unclean spirit that this girl was possessed by. Some believe, the, some biblical scholars believe that uh, this this girl had uh, a spirit of python. Pythonia, I think I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, Pythonia was a certain kind of snake. Obviously, what does it sound like? It sounds like python, Pythonia python. You know, that's where the root word comes from. It is used here because uh, the python was associated with the god Apollo. And this was uh, obviously a demigod, but it was this god was worshipped not far from uh, Philippi. In this very area of Europe, there was a shrine to the python Apollo. So that's where they kind of get this idea of what they think this certain unclean spirit was. You know, regardless of what kind of demon possessed her, it was clear that she was being tormented and that there was nothing good that was, you know, going to come about from this as far as her being possessed. Fortune telling, this was something that was a common practice in the Greek and Roman cultures. There were many superstitious methods, right? There were many methods of how people were trying to look into the future and, and foresee the future and foretell what was going to happen. You know, uh, this whole idea of fortune telling on crystal balls, whatnot, basically summoning these these unclean spirits to to tell what could happen in the future. And that is just not a good place to be. That's not something that you want to dabble in. Um, you know, that's something you want to stay clear away from. Ouija board, all that kind of stuff, you know, it may seem like it's fun and games, but there is a real reality to all those things. And it's occult practices that you want nothing to do with. We need to be mindful of this because occult practices come in many deceiving packages. Take, for instance, horoscope, something is uh, what seems as harmless as a horoscope. I know when I was growing up, you know, right, you get your, your, uh, you know, your Mercury News or whatever, and you got the comics, Dennis the Menace and all the other comics that, that are on there. And then all of a sudden you turn a few pages and then you got, you know, the daily horoscopes. 
you know, if you find yourself looking at the daily newspaper or turning to some kind of app on your iPhone to read your astrological sign for the day, your your the vision of the day for you, you're basically worshiping the stars and that's a created thing. We know that we serve the God who created the stars in the universe. He is the owner of the stars and the universe and everything in the universe. So when you're looking up all this stuff, uh, these astrological signs, you're actually, uh, you're performing, you're practicing idolatry. You're, you're practicing idol worship. Today, much of what fortune tellers and psychics or supposed psychics do is is only a, a money-making scam. It's a scheme. It's not real. They they have no power or authority to try to tell you what is, you know, in your future or anything like that. They're just preying on people's, uh, you know, eagerness to want to know what the future holds. And, you know, they'll sell you whatever they can sell you to make a profit. But when it is true and has a supernatural origin to it, there is no doubt that, fortune telling and witchcraft and all those things are inspired by demons there are still those today who are possessed with a spirit of divination because demons are created they're created beings okay remember that demons are created beings they're not gods they themselves cannot read your mind nor can they foretell the future but they can read and predict human behavior. They can, you know, predict what kind of patterns your lifestyle holds and what you do and what your weaknesses are and what you tend to gravitate to and can attempt to steer events towards a previously predicted conclusion. And this is actually what Satan does. This is what he does on a daily basis because we have to understand he only has one hand of cards to play with. He'll he'll run the same plays over and over and over again in an attempt to get us tripped up, in an attempt to get us to slip up, to fall back, to to renege on our on our devotion and our proclamation of who Jesus Christ is in our lives. He's looking for that. And especially he's looking for that in those who are non-believers. He wants to drag as many people down to hell with him as he can. But remember that the Bible is clear uh, that even the demons believe in Jesus Christ and that they shudder at his name or at the presence of Christ. We know about this found in James chapter 2 verse 19. These fallen angels know exactly who Jesus Christ is and how great he is in his power and his might. Again, remember the account of, of the man who was in the wilderness, who was cutting himself, just going back and forth, and he was in rags, right? The host of unclean spirits in the man, right? Uh, legion, as 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 they called themselves, uh, you know, they begged Jesus not to destroy them. And, and they asked, you know, that they would be sent into the herd of pigs. Similar, similarly here, we see that this possessed woman is acting in, you know, a similar fashion in the sense of speaking truth, speaking truth through this woman. How did she know who Paul and his ministry team were, that she knew that they were servants of the Most High God? Well, it wasn't her because she wasn't even in her right mind. She was being possessed by this unclean spirit, by this demon. It was this unclean spirit or it was this demon who knew who Paul and his ministry team were. The application for us this morning is this. This is why having the armor of God on always comes into play. 
you think of, again, we were talking about earlier in the introduction that we are in a war. We we know that the war has been won, but we're in war. We're in a battle. We're on a battlefield. It, it's not, you know, with tangible things. It's We're obviously fighting a spiritual battle. But where in a physical battle do you see uh, soldiers, you know, laying in, in, in foxholes with their helmets off, with their with their with their shoes off, with uh, their guns not close to them, right? I mean, the, these men and women that fight uh, ferociously, courageously in battle for their lives, for their country, for whatever they they believe is right that they're fighting for, um, you know, they're on guard the whole time. They are strapped up, ready to go, sleeping with a helmet on, gun cocked, you know, fully loaded. Um, you know, their their boots are on. And that's the same way we need to be as believers in Christ. You need, I need to always keep on the armor of God. If you possess the mind of Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit, you will be able to discern a lying spirit. You will be able to discern an unclean spirit from the Holy Spirit. And you will be guarded from the schemes of the enemy. That's just how it is because you're going to possess the mind of Christ. But see, without the foundation of Jesus Christ, you have no framework to fight against the devil and his demons. You're you're done. (laughs) You got no way of fending off these unclean spirits because you don't have the foundation of Christ. You need that. We don't normally see demonic activity like this, this kind of way in America where we live. You know, it's not like we see this going on here. It's much more subtle, right? It comes in the form of idol worship of money, of power, of sex, of fame, which in some ways makes it even more deceiving because, you know, you turn on the television and, you know, they, they, they find a way. There's like, what were we watching? Oh, uh, to tell the truth or whatever, right? We, we had that on the other night and, you know, we're watching it and, you know, the, 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 they have three different people. They, they, they're supposed to, you know, all be saying the same thing, but two of them are, are not true and one of them is the true story of what, go, what goes on. So anyways, whatever. Um, the whole story, you know, it ends, they find out who, you know, the, the main person was, I think it was like uh, a lady, <clears throat> she gave her ex a kidney. It was like, you know, they had been married for 22 years. They divorced and, you know, she gave him a kidney cause he needed to survive. So whatever they said, uh, about the other two contestants, right? The other two pairs, the other two couples, uh, you know, the host basically said, uh, you know, they didn't give a kidney, but both what they have in common is both of their houses that they live in are possessed. And as soon as he said that, we were like, channel clicker, you know, switch to the guy. What else is on? I went to Sports Center. It's like, I don't want to hear that. But, you know, I, I share that that little brief example. And that happened like a couple of days ago because it's so subtle in our country how they try to slip in. They try to sneak in, uh, you know, that satanic influence. They try to butter you up with something that looks wholesome and nice but again you have to have your spiritual antennas up and not have your blinders on or else you're going to be like oh it's all good they just said you know they, they live in a house that's possessed so it's nothing but no you know what I mean that's satanic attraction right there and you can't be lulled to sleep by that amen hopefully i hear an amen <laughs> but uh but that's the truth um you know and, and again you know you look at satan the bible is clear dressed as an angel of light Satan prowls around like a hungry lion seeking who he may devour. Do you see the deception in that? Dressed as an angel of light, but inwardly he's a ravenous hungry lion looking to devour anyone that he may sink his teeth into. This slave girl was taken advantage of by her masters and she made them rich 
by exploiting her unfortunate condition. They cared nothing for her. They just they just wanted to take advantage of they did take advantage of her for their own gain. All right, let's move on to verse 18 and it says, "And this she kept doing for many days." Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. Paul was greatly annoyed and he did not appreciate the free advertisement from this demon. This shows that it's okay to get annoyed as Christians when it has to do with the enemy and his schemes. We aren't just supposed to be cowards and, and just sit there and, and, and take it. This kind of behavior that, that, is, that obviously was meant to, to distract and intimidate Paul and, and the other men in Christ. He did not appreciate the source of this recommendation, so to speak. And he didn't need demonic approval of what he was doing for the Lord. This unclean spirit was doing more in the way of trying to distract Paul from his mission more than anything else. It was a distraction. It was like this constant nagging, this constant uh, talking and chatter that, you know, this unclean spirit wouldn't be quiet. It, it, it was constantly just, you know, blurting this out, saying it over and over, almost like, you know, like a like a parrot, man, like a parrot. You just want to shove a cracker in uh, its mouth. Well, <laughs> I'm just saying this is one of many ways that the fiery darts of the enemy come seeking us. You know, the fiery darts that Satan shoots, trying to hit a target. Even though this demon was speaking truth through this young girl, it was still confusion because this unclean spirit was trying to draw attention away from the true and living God and attention onto itself. Isn't it interesting that Paul knew that he would be identified by both his friends, those that he served alongside, and his enemies, but he wanted nothing to do with a, a, a so-called demonic letter of reference that this, this unclean spirit was trying to, to, to parade around and about him. If Paul accepted this demon's words, he would have appeared to be linking the good news of Jesus Christ with a demon-related activity. And this would ultimately, to those around who don't know Christ, this would damage the message of Christ, the message of salvation found in him alone. Like oil and water, good and evil, they just don't mix. They can't mix at all. And, and this is why Paul was so upset and frustrated with the fact that, man, this unclean spirit keeps talking, talking, Lord, you know, you need to cast him out. He needs to shut up, get this out of this young girl because it was not a good look. Paul was like Jesus, who often told demons to be silent, even when they told the truth about who Jesus Christ was. And there's many scriptures that 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 specify about that. Matthew chapter 8, verses 28 through 34, and Mark chapter 3, verses 11 and 12 talk about this, about, uh, you know, Jesus telling the, the, the unclean spirits to be silent and be quiet. Jesus Christ cast out demons with his own authority. And Paul understood this, and Paul was careful to speak to demons only in the authority of Jesus Christ. He didn't say in his own authority. He didn't say by his name. He didn't say by, by his faith. He said by the authority of Jesus Christ. And he spoke beyond the afflicted girl to the demon itself 
with this authority of Jesus Christ. The application for us is simply this. Without Christ living in in us, without the Holy Spirit living within us, without us understanding and identifying that it is Jesus Christ alone who does any good work through us, we're rendered ineffective. It is the Lord himself that conquers demons and death and sin and not us. And we can never take credit. We don't ever want to be those who put ourselves in a position and say, okay, come on, Satan, I'll take you on because I can do it. No, you're going to get your butt whooped if you do act like that. And it's actually foolish and it's not wise at all. Think about uh, the example in, in in the Bible. You know, the men who wa- they wanted to cast out spirits in, in the name of Jesus Christ and the, the unclean spirits said, I know who Jesus is. I know who Paul is. Who are you? Because they didn't have have a real relationship with Christ, right? They just wanted to put on a show. They wanted to put on an act. They wanted to try to get some money. They wanted to be looked at in a certain way, but yet they had no real relationship with Jesus. So they were rendered ineffective because they didn't have the presence of the Holy Spirit living within them. And what happened to their butts? They ended up getting whooped up, (laughs) cut up, left, you know, naked, running away for their lives. And so again, you know, I'm not saying at all ever to be afraid of unclean spirits, but we have to understand in whose authority do are we combating these unclean spirits or this demonic demonic activity with, and it is only by the authority of Jesus Christ. And see, that's again, Christ holds all power, you know, all wisdom, all all victory is in Him. And when we are ashamed to proclaim the name of Jesus Christ. That is just not a good thing, you know, because it's Christ alone that helps. It's Christ alone that does all things. And when we really understand the person of Jesus Christ and the magnitude of his effect in our lives, we are, like the scripture says, we're going to run to him because he is our strong tower, our mighty fortress. We're going to hide in him. We're going to ask him to hide us beneath the shadow of his wings and keep us as the apple of his eye. I mean, again, you, you can't you can't not want to have a moment without Jesus Christ when you understand how significant the chief cornerstone is to your life. That is the foundation of your living as a Christian. All right, let's go ahead and move on to verses 19 through 24. And it says, But when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, These men are Jews. And they are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in, attacking them. And the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet with the stocks. Faced with the loss of income, speaking of these uh, these slave owners, the slave girls owners, they were furious. They were, I mean, they were heated. They were like, I mean, that's my livelihood. You're you're taking away what feeds my family, and so they were just they were beside themselves that that uh, Paul would 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 do this and it would be used by the Lord uh, that the Lord would use him to cast out 
this unclean spirit that brought them so much profit. It didn't matter that Paul was preaching eternal truth or that this young girl's life was was being torment, tormented by this unclean spirit or even that the the you know her life ha- has started to begin some healing as as this unclean spirit was taken from her. They didn't care about that. They weren't rejoicing that, oh, you know, this girl is in her right frame of mind now. Now she can live a normal life and and be a part of regular society. No, these men only sympathized with their economic law. They were basically basically what I would call occult pimps. They were pimping and prostituting her spirituality. That's exactly what it was if you want to keep it real. That is what was going on here in the text. Sadly, this type of thinking still happens all too often today. That people will stop at nothing to make a profit and that we do not care about the livelihoods of those that we are making money off of their backs. Off of the skin of their backs, we're making millions and billions of dollars while people are just getting pennies off the dollar and uh, they can't even live in good conditions. And that's just so sad. You know, it's just so disheartening to see not only in our country, but around the world, how, you know, people, it's it's just, it's it's not balanced the way it should be. And there's only a small percentage of people at the top that own and own the wealth that are, are making all the money. And many people are suffering uh, from that. This was truly a sad state that, they were in and it revealed that uh, their their lack of a long-term perspective these these slave owners all they cared about was the moment they were living their best life now they were living only for the moment only to live for economic gain is to only live for the lies that satan throws at you and me the application is this when People care more about their financial gain over the glory of God and the salvation of lost souls. It is a clear sign of idolatry, greed, and worldliness. And we don't we don't want to be in that position at all. And we want to pray and intercede for those who are in that position where they're blinded by the cares of this world. And all they can see and all they're concerned about is what they can obtain here. As it's been said, there's no U-Haul attached to a casket. I mean, it's getting left either way. And, you know, maybe some of those people think, well, I'm leaving my family with a, a good inheritance. So, you know, I'm a good person. But... You know, you want to leave your loved ones with an eternal inheritance that will never perish, right? You want to leave them with the legacy of a life lived in Jesus Christ and Lord willing that they would follow suit and have their own personal relationship with him as well. Next, uh, we see that Paul and Silas were singled out by, by these men, by these slave owners, Paul and Silas were singled out not only because they were the leaders of uh, this evangelical group, but also because by their appearance, they, they, were, looked, they were looked at as being, uh, obviously, they were Jewish. This is an indication uh, of, of how they began their accusation, meaning the slave owners to Paul and Silas, because they said, these men being Jews, they were just like, you know, it, it was like pointing the finger like, man, I caught you. You're red handed. You're a Jew. You can't be doing this. You're all up in our spot. We're Romans. You're telling us this and that. It's not lawful. Next, we see that these men accused uh, Paul and his ministry team of being troublemakers. But those vague charges, even though they were vague, they were enough because both the crowd, both the these these crowd of people in the marketplace and the magistrates, they were biased against Silas 
and Paul and his team because they had their appearance that they were Jewish. They assumed that they were not Roman citizens. It was pretty unfair how people were treated in the Roman culture because the idea was this. In the Roman Empire, there were two different kind of laws. It's like <laughs> you're supposed to be judicial, but there's two different kind of laws. There's one kind of laws for citizens of the Roman Empire, but then there was a whole other set of laws for those who were not citizens. Roman citizens, they had specific guarded civil rights. And non-citizens had no civil rights and were subject to the prejudices of the people, of the large groups of the mob and the magistrate. It's crazy, but this is how they ran their government. This is how they ran their their culture. This is how they ran their society. They, They did not treat all people equal. And it's crazy because history obviously repeats itself over and over again. We can say all this and that, how fair and equal we are, but unfortunately, uh, because we're humans and not everyone is saved, that is in power of authority, you see it again. Authority being abused and people not being treated as equals. Since they assumed that Paul and Silas were not Roman citizens, they were offended that these obvious Jewish men harassed Roman citizens with their strange religion of a crucified Savior. They they just would not stand for it. They couldn't deal with it. And so they, they you know what, hey, I'm calling you on it and, and we want you arrested. We want you beaten. As well, this mob with the authorities felt it was okay to abuse Paul and Silas because they assumed that they weren't Roman citizens. So they just wanted to take it to them. They're like, you know what, we're not taking your trial. We're just going to beat you and throw you in jail. That is how we operate. The reality is this, wherever there is the administering of power or the ability to administer power, there's always going to be the opportunity for the abuse of that power, right? Because those who are administering power, they feel like they are above the law or they feel like they can do it because they've been given the privilege or the responsibility to administer the law or the rule to people. And usually, unfortunately, because we are sinfully wicked, we end up abusing that power. It's like power that we cannot contain on our own. Without the Holy Spirit giving us the ability to administer power fairly and free, you know, the way it should be, more times than not, we're going to abuse that power. And here is this kind of example of abuse. Next, we see the extent of this unfair treatment that Paul and his ministry team received. The crowd, fickle in their understanding, simply joined in on the action. They were just like, well, let's just jump right in. Let, let's join them and, 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 and let's cheer them on. Let's cheer them on. Not at all taking the time to think for themselves to see God's servants Were they guilty? Were they not guilty? They simply just ambushed them because they weren't stable in their own positions in life. They had no real foundation. Obviously, they had no foundation in Christ. They were easily persuaded by other people. The application is this. If we refuse to take a stand for Jesus Christ, we run the risk of being led astray by other people. That is just how it is. If we don't stand for Christ, we're going to fall for everything else. After being severely beaten, Paul and Silas were imprisoned in a maximum security prison in in you know conditions that were meant for hardened criminals. Jewish legal tradition gave a maximum number of blows that could be delivered 
when a person was being beaten. But the Romans, eh, they didn't have no limit. <laughs> we'll go ahead and scourge you. We'll rip the skin off your back. We want to see, you know what I'm saying, the inside of your kidneys and, you know what I'm saying, your back your back muscles ripped open and all that. They didn't care. It was like, you know, they basically beat them until the person, the soldier beating them was too tired to keep beating them. That's, that's really what went on here to give you a visual of what was happening. We just simply know that Paul and Silas were severely beaten. And, you know, Paul later, he he wrote about his life and the things that he went through in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, uh, verse 23, of how he suffered much for the sake of Jesus Christ. Paul and Silas were, were stripped, they were beaten, and then they were placed in something called stocks in the inner cell. Now, stocks were, were basically two wooden boards, if you can imagine. They were joined together by iron clamps and with holes that were pretty small. They were just big enough to fit someone's ankles, you know, so you really couldn't move. It was extremely uncomfortable, and this was basically a, a mild form of a, of a torture device for prisoners meant to keep them in place. Sometimes these stocks were even put and placed on the wrists of the of the uh, the prisoners. Um, the stocks were created to detain, again, like I said, the most hardened criminals, which we know Paul and Silas were not. But despite despite excuse me their dismal situation. They still praise God, praying and singing as other prisoners listened on. The application is this. No matter what your situation and circumstances are, we should praise God. We should praise Him because He's worthy of praise. Not because praise Him for our circumstances, but for the fact that He's with us and He'll still see us through our circumstances. And He's still good and He's still on the throne. He's still the God of this universe and there is nothing wrong or evil in him or unfair in him at all knowing that he is in full control and like joseph remember joseph right what others what his brothers meant for evil god meant it for good our faith has room to grow when we are in times of trouble when we are in times of despair when circumstances are difficult and hard there is time, there is room for our faith to grow. We don't know what kind of effect and, and, and the effect of praising God will have on others, especially when we are suffering. They'll look at us and they'll be like, wow, how is this person rejoicing in Christ when they are suffering so harshly, deemed, you know, only so much time to live, being on, uh, on a, you know, on a bed with, you know, stage four cancer or whatever the circumstances are. How are they praising God despite this? And honestly, looking at our world today and looking at our all all of our current living situations and what we're going through with this pandemic i know we can all relate the good lord will turn our tears and trials into triumph amen let's pray heavenly father lord god thank you again for this message or thank you for your faithfulness to yourself thank you for your faithfulness to your people Lord, we need you more than ever. Lord, we need you to protect our guard, our minds in Christ Jesus as we come against opposition daily, as the enemy will scheme in many different ways, Lord, to uh, get us disrupted, to, to scramble our thinking, Lord, to get us distracted, to get our minds off of you, to get our minds off of the cross of Jesus Christ, to get our, our eyes out of scripture and to get our eyes fixed on all the things that are going on around us in this world. Lord, may you help us to stand firm 
on the rock of Jesus Christ and to delve even deeper into you, to delve even deeper into your word, to focus on you, Lord, to allow you to penetrate our hearts, to move in a way that builds us up, that grows us in our faith, that strengthens us, Lord. Help us to be a positive influence on those around us that are uh, uh, lovers of money, Lord, that, that, are, that are lost, that are looking to money as their God. Lord, may we be used to share the love of Christ, to show them uh, that the road they're on is a dead-end road, that it leads to destruction, that it leads to eternal death, and that the only true source of joy and hope is life found in Jesus Christ alone. Father, help us to be those that suffer well, Lord, when when we go through difficult times, Lord, that we don't give up hope, Lord, that we praise you despite our difficult circumstances, as we're all in a different difficult season right now, Lord, being being uh, you know isolated from one another, not being able to physically be together as the church, Lord, help us to still be engaged, Lord, give us visions and and opportunities to utilize the resources we have, the technology to get together, to band together, to still be in fellowship with one another. Father, I pray for any of those that are listening this morning that do not know you, Lord. May in the quietness of their heart, may they be convicted and understand that they need to cry out to you, Lord. That they need to receive Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And I pray that they would become saved and their souls would be saved from eternal torment forever. Father, thank you for your undying love for us and your your unrelenting love that you always seek after us and our good. We thank you and we love you. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.